Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. I am to preach on Everlasting Father um, from Isaiah 9-6. I'll be honest with you, when I, I was given this by Rob, I had a moment of pause, not because I don't want to preach on it, but because this can become a bit of a, um, a, bit of a theological trap, uh, in that when Isaiah wrote this, he wasn't thinking Trinitarian at all. And so when people read that, um, they, they think God the Father, and he's not thinking that at all. He's thinking about a Savior or Messiah who will be an everlasting Father. And so I was like, you know, I, I don't want to get into any kind of Trinitarian thing at all here. And it's going to be easy for you to go down those roads as you think of um, everlasting Father and what that, what that means. You're going to think of God the Father. But it's not about God the Father. It's actually about Jesus and his role as king and how he will relate to his subjects as king. Um, Jesus relates to us in a paternal way. In the original context, what Isaiah means is that it's a picture of the king as protector of his people. It's a, a picture of the king as protective of his people. Isaiah knew nothing, absolutely nothing of the Trinity when he wrote this. And Jesus, of course, cannot be both God the Father and God the Son. He's one or the other. In fact, the early church denounced this idea that Jesus is both God the Father and God the Son as heresy. Modelism is what it was called. And so modalism, I should say. And so you can't, you can't like blend the two together. But the language in this verse allows you to kind of go there. So um, what we're really describing in Everlasting Father is a description of Jesus' character. He is fatherly. He is father-like. As Messiah, Jesus engages us as a father who is eternal. Um, in this, he reveals part of the Trinity. That because he is a father who is eternal, he reveals part of what the Trinity is, which is eternal. In that, his character is always, always consistent with God the Father. So that's the other unique thing about this that can get into a bit of a theological trap. In John uh, ten thirty, we read that Jesus says, I and the Father am one. And in John 14, I'm going to read to you a larger chunk. This is verses 6 to 11. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus answered, without me, no one can go to the Father. If you had known me, you would have known the Father. But from now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. That is what we need. Jesus replied, Philip, I've been with you for a long time. Don't you know who I am? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. How can you ask me to show you the Father? Don't you believe that I'm the one, that I'm one with the Father and that the Father is one with me? What I say isn't said on my own. The Father who lives in me does these things. Have faith in me when I say that the Father is one with me and that I am one with the Father. Or else, have faith in me simply because of the things I do. So Jesus is basically saying that I am separate from the Father, but I interact in such a way that I'm consistent with the Father. So while Jesus is not God the Father, we learn about God the Father through Jesus. Now, before you think this is totally weird, 
if you want to know something about my dad, ask my brother and I. If you want to know something about me, one of your best resources is my kids, my daughters. Jesus as king acts as the ideal parent and father towards his subjects. And in doing this, he perfectly reflects the character of God the Father. So that's how those two things are separated out. So let me talk to you a little bit about how Jesus, as the everlasting Father, also reflects God the Father and those characteristics that interact. These are not all of them. This is not an exhaustive list. But if Jesus is our everlasting Father, what does that actually mean? Well, the first thing is Jesus, like our Father, accepts. Jesus, like our Father, accepts. In uh, John 6, 37, it's spelt out this way. Everything and everyone that the Father has given me, it's Jesus speaking, will come to me, and I won't turn any of them away. We see this quality of Jesus throughout the Gospels. He welcomed and accepted all. He is a king who loves all of his subjects equally, and he accepts everyone who desire to be part of his kingdom. This is not a geographical kingdom that Jesus is the king of. It's a relational one. It's a spiritual one. It's an interactive one. It's a connected one. It's not um, defined by land mass. It's defined by relationship with him as king. And Jesus is saying that anyone that wants to enter into his kingdom, he will accept them for who they are. My father... Uh, is a uh, volunteer for Meals on Wheels in Medicine Hat. And so uh, if you don't know what Meals on Wheels are, it's a great organization. Not quite as great as the mustard seed, but still pretty great. And they deliver uh, meals to folks that are basically shut-ins, unable to kind of get out and about. So Dad has done this for a number of years. I don't know what you know about Medicine Hat. Um, although I was born there, I never lived there. Well, I did live there, but only for four months, and it was the first four. Um, but I spent a lot of my summers there uh, visiting my grandparents on their farm. And my, when my parents moved back there 23, 24 years ago, obviously I've gone back a number of times since, at least yearly and often more than that. And so I know, that, I know the community pretty well. And it is, um, as I don't know how else to say it, it is as white of a community as you're going to find in anywhere in, in Canada. Um, doesn't make it a bad community, it just makes it what it is. And, and, it's, and it's a great community. And I actually like going there for the most part. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's all good. So my dad um, is sitting around with uh, four or five of his buddies before he delivers meals. And on the day he, this day he's delivering meals, I, I said to him, why, why are you having coffee? You're supposed to be delivering meals. He said, well, I, I go there early and me and my, my friends, we, we have a cup of coffee. And he said, and then we go deliver meals. And he goes, but this one day there's this guy who's there and his name is Russell. And he goes, and I, I had never met Russell before. And Russell's sort of sitting there. And uh, Russell says to me, um, I'm supposed to go with you today to, to be trained. And he said, so Russell and I um, had the nicest three hours together. And I said, well, tell me about Russell. And he said, well, Russell's from Nigeria. He just had recently immigrated um, to Canada and decided to land in Medicine Hat of all places. And he said, there's not a lot of people like Russell in Medicine Hat. And I said, I'm assuming not, Dad. And he said, in fact, I was able to connect him with some people that are also from his country 
in medicine. I goes, because I know them too. And I said, how did your conversation go? And he said, it was great. He goes, we had the, we had the nicest time. Uh, the unfortunate thing with Russell, he said, is that he's totally scared of dogs. He says, because in Nigeria, he goes, I guess um, dogs are only for guarding, not for pets. Said, so every time we rang a doorbell and there was a dog at the door, he would totally uh, become skittish and scared. He goes, so I had to help him with that. He said, and I spent the day with him. We had a nice time. He said, but then the weirdest thing happened. And I said, what's that? He said, well, the next day I went back because Russell had been fu fully trained. And he goes, I go back to deliver my meals the next day. And as I'm walking into Meals on Wheels to pick up everything I'm supposed to deliver, um, Russell's sitting there. And so my dad looked at him and said, Russell, you've been trained. You don't, we don't, you know, like, why are you here? And Russell said, oh, because I just wanted to spend another day with you. And to me, that's an example of who my father is. That's an example of who Jesus is. That it's someone that accepts somebody. You know, there could have been a lot of things that happened in that relationship that just didn't happen. Instead, only good happened. And when we accept people and we love people, we reflect who Jesus is. Because Jesus loves and accepts everyone who enters into his kingdom. Have you experienced the acceptance of Jesus? Have you decided to enter into his relational kingdom? Jesus was born so that we could have relationship with him. Do you know that relationship? Jesus also blesses us. When you think about it, generally speaking, who, um, you know, lines up your first job? I don't necessarily mean the job like when you turn like 23 or 24 and you're done your education or whatever. I mean like that first job when you're 14, 15, 16 years old. Isn't it usually your mom or your dad that kind of makes that happen? You know, they're the ones that make the phone call to a friend or a buddy. Um, they're the ones that maybe even hire you. One of the things that I see in the inner city is that lack of connectivity. Because so many of them are parentless in every sense of the word. So there was no one ever to kind of help them get out of their circumstances because their parents were in the same circumstance. I have a theory that any loving parent is broke. I don't know if this is true or not, but I certainly see it with lots of uh, people that I'm in community with. It's like, you know, I, I've got a daughter in university. I got another one going into university next fall. I, I, you know, I don't know what I'll be spending my money on next fall, but I know it won't be myself. Uh, they require that. It seems like, you know, as parents, when we enter into relate and have kids and as we're loving parents, we just want to bless our children. And sometimes it's blessing them by saying, no, I get that. But often, let's face it, for most of us, it's blessing them by saying yes. And I think Jesus wants to bless us as a parent, as king. Matthew 25, 34 talks about those who enter the kingdom get an inheritance. Now, I saw the movie Knives Out on Thursday night, um, and it's all about money inheritance. That is not what Jesus is talking about. Uh, we're not talking about cash here. What we're talking about is a spiritual and relational inheritance. That Jesus wants to pass something on to us as king. As our 
as us being subjects in his kingdom, he says, as your king, as your everlasting father, I want to give you something. And any loving parent does this with their child, and Jesus does this with us too. That inheritance is a spiritual one. It's a relational one. It's one where he says, I'm going to bless you with my presence. I'm going to bless you with forgiveness of sins. I'm going to bless you with community and, and being um, in relationship with one another. I'm going to bless you with all the things that I can bless you with. Because you are my child. Because I'm your father. Because I am your king. When you choose to be part of Jesus' kingdom... He blesses you as a parent to a child. And he asks you to receive that and welcomes you in receiving that. And Jesus, like our Heavenly Father, like our King, also gives. The other side of the coin of blessing is giving. And as King, Jesus is a giving parent. We read this in the Sermon on the Mount, that when Jesus talks about going the extra mile, about doing the extra thing... We see this demonstrated in his beautiful life when he gives his own life for the whole world, that Jesus is a giver. Blessing might be bestowing divine favor, like grace. Giving is the transfer, the handing off of a possession from one to another. As king, Jesus is a parent who is a giver. As king, Jesus is a parent who is not only a giver, but he is good. In this time of year, do you recognize the gifts that Jesus has given you as everlasting father? I got a phone call on, um, it must have been Thursday, that you just don't want to get. Um, one of my staff called me, and I could tell by his voice that he was not well. And I said, what happened? What's going on, Jeremiah? And he said, I don't know how to tell you this, Dean. He goes, but Stuart died. Now, Stuart uh, has been around the mustard seed for at least 20 years, probably 30. Uh, he's been coming there every night for supper with Georgie, his wife. And uh, Stuart um, also worked for us for about 10 years. Uh, cleaning, uh, cleaning the office building that I work at. He just retired in spring. He was a sweet man, a gentle man, a kind man. He would tease me like nobody has ever teased me. I found out it wasn't just me. He did this for everybody. He was well-known by volunteers, well-known by participants, well-known by staff. In many respects, the identity of the mustard seed was carried more by Stuart than it was by anybody else. And he fell sick, been sick for two, three weeks, and eventually died in his sleep. I don't know how old Stuart was, but I think he must have been in his mid to late 60s. And um, Stuart and I, every March 2nd, would go for lunch for his birthday. Um, he loved Big Macs, so that worked out well for me too. And we'd go for a drive, and I'd buy him a Big Mac, and we'd talk. At the church on every night of the week, uh, when we served 300 people, Stuart would sit in the same spot. He'd let us know when uh, something bad was happening. He would let us know when we were doing a good job. That was infrequent. 
he would uh, just take the time for us. In a weird sort of way, he was my friend. And he was the friend of hundreds at the mustard seed. And he passed away. And sometimes you don't realize all that the everlasting father has given you. But one of the things he gave me was Stuart. And I think at times as we go through our life, we're looking for God to give us so many things. And it's hard sometimes to see the small things or the big things that he's already given us until they're gone. He gave me Stuart. As you reflect upon this Christmas time, what has the everlasting Father given you? Can you see it? Are you awake to it? As everlasting Father, Jesus also protects. Matthew 23, 37 reads this. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Again, it's Jesus speaking. Your people have killed the prophets and have stoned the messengers who were sent to you. Okay, so that's a little harsh. Second part coming. I have often wanted to gather your people as hens gather their chicks under her wings, but you won't let me. Now it's that imagery of this. I have often wanted to gather your people as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. This imagery is beautiful um, and it's not paternal. It's actually very maternal. There's no protector like a mom. There's nobody who can kind of get in the face of somebody else on your behalf like a mom. When I was in grade three, I was, uh, we would use the term bullied now. Back then, I would say picked on by this certain kid. Um, a lot, actually. And uh, it became quite traumatic for me. This was in the good old days that when you actually went home, the picked on actually literally stopped. I don't know if you know this with our kids nowadays, but if they're bullied, um, the bullying doesn't stop when they get home because it just comes through their device. Uh, you wonder why, like, our kids are just facing stuff we never faced as kids. I'd go home and I was safe. Nowadays, kids go home and they're not safe. And so uh, this uh, young guy was just mean to me. And so my mom went to talk to the teacher about it and didn't really like the response she got from the teacher. Ended up seeing the kid in the hallway who was been picking on me on her way out. So I'm standing on one end of the hallway. I see my mom got this kid cornered by the boot racks in the hallway. And she was lighting him up, and it was like the best moment of my eight years at that point. He actually changed behavior a little bit. Became a pretty good friend of mine a couple years later. Um, just interacted with him two days ago, or two weeks ago, I should say, on LinkedIn. There is no better protector than a mom. And that's what Jesus is saying as king. Yes, there's this paternal side, but there's this maternal side too. He wants to gather his kingdom to him. He wants to protect us. Jesus as king, as father, as perfect parent, is our protector. And at times, we likely want a little bit more protection. It's not about protecting us from all things or restricting our choices. It's about protecting us at the right time from the right things. It's about spiritual protection. It's about protecting us from death and providing us eternal life. 
And the beautiful thing about all of this is that this relationship is everlasting. When Isaiah wrote this, it's highly likely that everlasting was meant just strictly as hyperbole. Um, we see this in descriptors of King David too. Um, when he says everlasting, Isaiah really means long time, right? And we say things like this all the time too in our, in our language as well, right? Like, it seemed like this sermon went on forever. No, it only went on for about 25 minutes. Uh, we use language like that all the time. Then Isaiah is sort of doing the same thing here. Except with Christ, everlasting becomes literal. It isn't hyperbole at all, even if that's the way that Isaiah originally meant it. It's so cool to think that through Jesus, everlasting is no longer hyperbole, but it is our present reality. I mean, listen to, listen to the words of John that are found in Revelation as he describes the everlasting kingdom. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had disappeared, and so had the sea. Then I saw new Jerusalem, the holy city, coming down from God in heaven. It was like a bride dressed in her wedding gown and ready to meet her husband. And I heard a loud voice shout from the throne, God's home is now with his people. He will live with them and they will be his own. Yes, God will make his home among his people. He will wipe all their tears from their eyes and there will be no more death, suffering, crying, or pain. These things of the past are gone forever. Then the one sitting on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Write down what I have said. My words are true and can be trusted. Everything is finished. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give water from the life-giving fountain to everyone who is thirsty. All who win the victory will be given these blessings. I will be their God, and they will be my people. The king. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Everlasting Father. That is what is at the core of all of this. As king in our life, Jesus' relationship with us is permanent. It isn't just for yesterday or today. It is for tomorrow, and most significantly, it is for eternity. He is everlasting in being our parent, and as Isaiah intended, our protector. Twelve months ago, I get an email from a friend of mine who had been my friend since we were eight years old. He was, in the very sense of the word, my longest friend. For the first 20 years of our relationship, so 8 to 28, uh, we were really, really close. For the next 18 years or 20 years or whatever it is, we weren't as close, but we would still run into each other and talk and interact. There was no reason why we weren't hanging out so much more other than the fact that he lived in, lived in Millwoods and I lived in St. Albert, and well, that seemed like a long distance. He emailed me to tell me that his brain tumor um, that he had been struggling with for a year um, was no longer curable. And he said, would you please come visit me in the hospital? I want to see you before I die. Uh, as a former pastor, that was one of the most difficult hospital visits I've had to get the courage to go. Um, mostly because he was dying of the same brain 
tumor, the same kind of brain cancer that my mom had passed away with in September. So this is only three months apart, four months apart. So I go visit Ken in the hospital, and Ken is a Christian. Um, and we're talking, and he... Um, and it was maybe a 10-minute conversation. Uh, at this point, he couldn't lift his left arm anymore. And so he said, can I hug you? And could only hug me with his right hand arm. I told him I loved him. He told me he loved me. And then he asked something quite profound. Uh, Is there anything I can do for you? <laughs> Seems like a real question. And I said, yeah, there is something. And he said, what's that? And I said, can you say hi to my mom? And he said, that's the nicest thought I've had in here in a while. He said, is there anything else you'd like me to say to her? Just that she's missed. She knows she's loved. I said, I know you're going to see her before I do. Please just say hi to my mom. And as I left... I sobbed because my friend, who was only 47 years old, would pass away within two weeks, which he did. But there was also this sense of relief that both my mom and my friend were now with the everlasting father. And for me, when I hear that phrase, those two words together, everlasting father. That is what will always be embedded in my brain. The fact that when my friend was dying, I could say to him, say hi to my mom, because you're both going to an everlasting place with a father who loves you both deeply and has protected you from everything so that you could now be in heaven with him. As you enter into continuum, actually, through this Advent season, as you, we arrive to December 25th when we celebrate the life and the birth of Jesus, remember, he is our everlasting father. And he came so that we could spend eternity with him. Uh, let's pray, and as we do so, Ben, why don't you come on up? Um, father in heaven, We thank you that you have um, loved us so much that you gave your son for us. And that Jesus, you represent all that is pure and perfect and true and right. And even how you interact with us as everlasting father, you, um, you show us how much you love to bless us how much you love to give and protect us. May we recognize that you are um, a parent and that you are perfect and beautiful in that. And I pray for those that have not experienced that yet, that they don't know you as parent, that they've not entered into that kind of relationship with you. May they recognize that you will accept them for who they are, no matter what they have done.
and may all of us know you, Jesus, as everlasting Father. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.